Hello, and you're listening to the 38th episode of Downtime Podcast featuring Elisa and Jeremy. Today, I'm back. Hello, Elisa. Welcome back. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, welcome back to good old sunny global warming California. So <laughs> Good to be back stateside. Good to be back stateside, probably compared to snowy uh, Japan. Yeah, actually, it was really funny. I was, it was snowed the day I left. Oh, so you completely missed it. Yeah, like, on the on the train, it was getting colder, like, going from the hotel to the airport, and I could kind of see, like, the clouds, like, starting to gather over Tokyo, and I was like, oh, man, it looks like it's going to snow, and then when I got to the airport, it was like, there was some light snow outside, and I was like, oh, my God, I hope we don't have to, like, de-ice the plane or anything, but when we got on, we're like, we got to take off, it's going to start snowing, <laughs> we just start taking off. That worked out so conveniently. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was great. It was, I was so happy because uh, I found out that the day that I left, it snowed so hard that thousands of people couldn't go home. Oh, like, there were flights it, that were grounded, trains stopped. I was like, oh my goodness, I made it. I don't, I don't think I've ever been stalled by a blizzard or snow before. Yeah, me neither. It's not really a problem that we've had because we live in a very warm-ish state. Yep, no rain here whatsoever. It, no. It's February. I think it only rained for like nine days. <laughs> so yeah, far. those weren't those weren't even like days that were close to each other either. I think it'll rain more in California soon. I mean, I hope it does. I mean, where would that uh, April showers bring May flowers thing come from if it didn't rain enough in California? That hasn't happened in general. for a very long time. Yeah, I did have a layover in Korea, and we did have to de-ice for a little bit. Interesting. Oh, well, yeah. I think Korea is closer to the poles, so that makes sense. And and plus, in general, like, the... the, the It was snowing when I, when I got to Korea, so I got to see the snow. But overall, I was inside when I was in Korea. I was stuck in the airport. Well, not mm. really stuck. I, I chose to stay in the airport. So yeah. I, I didn't really have a... F- it didn't affect me as much until I got on the plane. Hmm. So snow did affect me a little bit, just not in not not in California, not where <laughs> I live. <laughs> I see. Yeah, no, I mean, I do want to go to Korea when it's not snowing, when it's still a little bit warmer. Yeah, um, I went to Korea on the cusp of it snowing, so we were right at the border of freezing point. <laughs> did you bring a lot of your winter clothes? I had a lot of um, thermals and long sleeve shirts and I had a thick jacket so it it all worked out but it was still cold. I think in Korea the key is having a long puffy trench coat jacket. They have the puff they have the type of puffy jackets that you'll see at Uniqlo but they actually go all the way to your ankles. What? That's a real thing? <laughs> and I think that's the secret. It really is. It's like a parka or something. It, yes, it is. It's basically a puffy parka. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I, I bought one of those puffy jackets from Uniqlo, the ones that fold into a tiny case. Oh, yeah. It's not, those it's, are insanely warm. Yeah, it's not that one. It's just like, it, it just goes all the way to the ground, or all, all the way to your shoes. It's wonderful. What? <laughs> is, I that wish, a, is that a unisex honest, thing, or is it... Is it's a, it's it a very unisex thing. Everyone has oh. it, and it keeps you warm. I should have bought one, to be honest, but it's too late for that. <sighs> How much are, were those? I mean, you can get them anywhere in a lot of the fashion districts and just even a simple Uniqlo or H&M in Myeongdong or other spots. Huh. 
Today I learned. That's Today, pretty cool. You gonna learn. <laughs> yeah. No. Overall, uh, my experience is great, but I kind of want to talk about it a little bit later. I let's talk about games first, and then I'll talk about my experience. My experiments. My experience in Japan. Your there were a lot of video games. <laughs> experiments. That sounds so bad. Yeah. My experience in Japan was heavily game-based, or at least a lot of it was heavily game-based, and I'll go into that in a bit. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, other than other than that, today marks a very special occasion. Today is the one-year anniversary of the podcast. Woo! Happy anniversary, Elisa. Who would have thought <laughs> we were going to make it this far? <laughs> we made it. <laughs> I know, we actually made it to February 12th. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's right after your birthday, right before mine, and that was the first time that we, I mean, it was really awkward when we did it together, and we're like, uh, what are we doing, you know? Oh, we're never gonna, <laughs> I'm never gonna listen to that podcast, like... Oh, no, I'm not gonna listen to it either, are you kidding me? <laughs> if we ever listen to the first, if we ever listen to the very first podcast, um, we'd have to be drunk, I would not listen to it not drunk, so... <laughs> I would, I would purposefully drink so much... And put it on, if we had to listen to it, I would purposely fully drink so much and then just fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> just so that I don't hear it. I know. Like, having a reaction video to that would be so embarrassing at this point. How By the way, not do that? Uh, <laughs> listeners, probably don't listen to that podcast. It's fucking embarrassing. <laughs> listen to our Yakuza podcasts. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, we don't. I, I specifically did not know how to talk so well before then. Yeah, just don't listen to it. Just don't, don't even, yeah. don't listen to episode number one. What do you, like, if you're a, if you're a first time listener of this podcast, no, just, just start with episode number two. <laughs> don't even go to episode number one. Alisa, I think people will listen to it now. You're like doing a reverse psychology. It's like telling someone not to pirate a movie and then you're, you're telling them where to, where to pirate it from, even though you're telling them not to. No, <laughs> not even. Oh, that shit's you can't so find episode. You can't find episode one on SoundCloud. Don't go to SoundCloud. <laughs> and triangle C blog and look up episode one. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, just, just go to episode number two. Like for real, guys. Go to episode number two. <laughs> like, no, real talk though. Don't listen to that. Yeah, that piece of crap episode. Yeah, there's, there's just no point. No point. <laughs> In all seriousness, it's it's really cool that this is a one year anniversary or something that we just like we're passionate about, but also something that um came off the cusp of an idea that we both had, a common yes. idea that we shared. And then it just kind of blew it. It blew up to just having like much more chill conversations. To I mean, there's still chill conversations, but a lot of our episodes are a lot more varied and different now. And um, we're still putting our creative chops to it. So on top of that, we're listed in a lot of directories now, which is also weird. Yeah. <laughs> that is weird. I, now our our names will be like slowly. Sp- seeking in it's like seeping into different parts of the internet at least uh, i don't know how i feel about that That's but it's inevitable to be honest uh, i don't want uh, i know i don't want to be found like what yeah. the heck? please gonna... don't find me yeah just listen to episode two just like don't even <laughs> like i'm just saying everyone just it's not worth it it's not worth the trouble reflecting on this past year of doing this podcast, Elisa, do you have any favorite moments or a moment that sticks out to you? So the first time we ever talked about Yakuza, which was episode three of the podcast, was kind of an interesting turning point for me because it was the, f- I mean, it's it started off early, but we both played something together 
and we were both very felt very passionately about it and which kind of ended up sparking a domino effect of a lot of yakuza related things and essentially just covering the entire um prequel and remaster and now we're gonna eventually cover yakuza 6 which by the way it's not too late to pre-order and um that one sticks out to me the most because episode three was the first time I felt very comfortable. Oh man, you took my you took the same thing I was gonna say. Yay, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> because I now I can't say it. I I'll add on to yours. Go for um, it. Yeah, no, I was the one who egged you on because I was like, hey, play Yakuza, play Yakuza. It's a really good game. Because at that point, I was so addicted to the game. Like there was nothing I could think more of than going home, sitting on my couch, and just playing that game because. I was lost. That was, the, that was one of the very few times that I was lost in a video game, yeah. and I was addicted. And I, it was, it was a healthy addiction. I mean, nothing, not, not, no addiction is really healthy. But for me, it was a healthy addiction because I, it, as weird as it sounds, it made me feel like I was in Japan again when I was playing Yakuza. I mean, it is based off of Japan. It's based off of a place in Tokyo, so yeah, it all but, makes sense. What really got me was like the sounds, like the visuals, like even though it was set in a deck, like in a in a decade where I wasn't born, it was still like, it still felt like I was there almost because yeah. of just the way that the creators set up the game. So the characters are really relatable. You, even though you didn't understand anything about the Yakuza, Yakuza zero is perfect because it's kind of like a jumping off point where they explain everything to you, like the hierarchy of the Yakuza, um, what each hierarchy person means. And, um, you know, like the, the, the rackets they do and the crimes they commit. It was really cool. Totally. It still is. It's still a really cool game. I'm staring at the case right now from my desk, and oh man, I I, I want to pick it up again, but I need to pick. I need to finish <laughs> whatever I'm doing now before Yakuza Six comes out because I know for a fact I'm gonna get sucked into the world again, and I cannot get out of that world once I'm sucked in. Oh yeah, I don't think I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn till like end of the year. <laughs> no, me too, dude. Hey, what, Ghost of Tsushima is gonna come out this year, so I think we we can't even play oh Horizon Zero Dawn, dude. <laughs> Oh, I, I hope go. I well, I hope Ghost of Tsushima comes out in. Cross my fingers. Cross your fingers. I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> I want it to come out in 2019 because it's already a it's a rough year. Well, that being said, folks, Red Dead Redemption is officially coming out on October 26. 26. Yes. So, um. Yeah, it's not coming out early. This is your warning that you can get a lot of things out of the way before this game comes out. Oh, oh, really quick, I, I want to mention something. Did you get an email, f- did you get a notification from Amazon saying that Yakuza 6, your pre-order, will ship between uh, March 26th and March 30th? You know, um, I did not because I actually pre-ordered Yakuza 6 on GameStop. Oh, okay. I'm going to pick it up. That is a little bit better, yeah. Because I wanted to hold it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I... There's something about... <laughs> As much flack as people give GameStop, there's something nice about, like... Going in? Go- yeah, yeah. Physically picking it up from a store yeah. and bringing it back to your house. I agree. I really wanted to pick this up. This is the first... Um, actually, no. Um, the Uncharted 4 PlayStation was the very first collector's thing I've had or bought. And this is the second collector's thing I've ever, I'm ever gonna buy, and I want to be able to pick it up on my in my hands. So that's why I'm going to GameStop. I ordered it on Amazon, so because I at the time I was just really lazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I there's nothing wrong with doing that. 
it's just no it's not, nothing wrong at all yeah I mean, maybe i'll pick it up i don't know i mean maybe i i might change my mind but i think i'm kind of set you know another th- memory i have with the podcast that's very prominent with me is i had to look this up it was episode 23 and it was just this long ass two hour episode podcast where new people joined in like progressively and we were just talking about everything and i just uh i don't know why but it was just great it was like a marathon almost that we were initially talking to each other and then all of a sudden random people just joined collectively. And then all of a sudden it's like, you got like four people on this podcast. <laughs> and it was, where, where did we record that one? Um, I think we recorded just like at home or in your, in your own home. And then we ended up talking about Rick and Morty after that was a good podcast. Honestly, oh, was that okay. Yeah. 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 It was honestly like one of my favorite podcasts we recorded for sure. I got you. Yeah. That one, which is not episode one, episode 23, it's a good podcast to listen to. <laughs> yes, definitely check that one out. I do remember that, and yeah. now it's bringing me back fond memories. I know. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been a really, it's been a great pleasure just getting your questions, answering your questions, like just interacting with the audience, because I think that's something that's important between creators and their audience is just like, even if it's Instagram responding or YouTube comment responding, I mean, it's still interaction. And for a lot of people, that's like um, pretty, pretty, like that's unique, not really unique. It's like, it, it, me, it helps people feel recognized. Yeah. But again, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. It's It's really cool. Today we got listeners... Or in the stats I'm looking at, we got listeners from Ireland. We have listeners from Chile. Woo! And we have listeners. Yo, shout out to Santiago, Chile, just saying. Yeah, we have <laughs> listeners in Tokyo, Japan. Whoa, And what? we have listeners in Virginia. So the fun never stops. Really quick, I want to mention something to you. Um, our Your former coworker, my current coworker, her name is Melissa. Her last name starts with a C. Oh, Okay. You know who she is, right? Yes, I know she, who you're talking about. She said that, um, she came up to me yesterday. She's like, hey, I just want to tell you that my friend said that, uh, I was, she, no, she was talking to her friend about um, Aloha State. Yeah. Terrace House Aloha State. And then she's like, yeah, um, my my two coworkers interviewed Yusuke from Aloha State. And he's like, what? No way. And so she'd sent him um, our podcast and he was like, oh yeah, what, what else is this podcast about other, other than this interview? Oh, she's like, oh, it's like games or whatever. He's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, yeah, now he just listens to your podcast. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, after the use case stuff, I think he just started listening to the rest of our episode. So, oh, that's so whoever cool. you are, dude, shout out to you if you're still listening. I know. Because thank you so much. You're awesome. <laughs> shout out, shout out, shout out. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's cool. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I was really I was smiling when it happened. I was like, Aww. really? <laughs> uh, so what are you playing right now? Um, so since the last uh, so since the last recording, um, uh, where I talked about Nier Automata and playing a lot of side quests, and it's within these side quests, which by the way are fun, but there's a few gripes I have that I just kind of have to rant about so that I can get over it, but. There's quite a few significant bugs that are annoying the hell out of me. And there's actually a bug that made me fail one of the missions. Oh, no. What happened? Or not fail one of the missions, but straight up, like, 
fail one of the side quests, and I can't redo that side quest until I completely finish the game and I go back to chapter select. So I can't even what? finish it for another like 15, 18 hours, which is crazy. Like That's messed up. Yeah, it, it's like super frustrating. So the first bug that I'm having trouble with is with... Uh, and it's not really a bug as it is. I wish it was a little bit more fleshed out. But Nier Automata's um, auto-locking system is really... Um, is really annoying because there's points where the auto-lock will actually lock onto a character that you're not supposed to kill. So, for example, escort missions, where you have to escort someone to a location and you have to obviously attack the enemies while while the machine you're protecting is walking. Um, All of a sudden, the pod will auto-lock on... The character you're protecting and i'm just hmm. and i'm just kind of like um no like lock on the machine <laughs> like lock on the enemy but it will just like it will just like annoyingly like lock keep locking onto the person you're protecting okay and it's like blowing my fucking mind and it's so annoying a lot of people changed their controls and they remapped the buttons to um, make certain controls better. And it's something okay. that I don't really want to do out of pure laziness because it's like if if the tutorial taught me how to do something, I'll just like kind of stick with it unless any person or listener wants to tell, tell me that something is much more convenient if I remap it. But it's just like, I don't want to deal with that because I'm already used to the controls but the second one I had this mission where uh, one of the machines uh, the machine is like a mom and she has this like little machine kid like I'm mm-hmm. I'm not kidding she has a fucking machine kid who is okay. who runs away and you have to find this kid to, uh, re- to um, return back to um to return back to the mom. And you finally find the kid on the map. And as you're... And it's another escort mission. Back to... The mom. And... The kid bugs out. And... He... Falls off a cliff. What? Like, he straight up, like... He just walks in a random direction. And he, like, falls off a cliff. And I, and I was like, oh shit. He just fell off. So as he fell off and landed on the second, as he fell off and landed on a new level, um, he started walking into a wall and he like, didn't turn around the NPC bugged out. Oh, what? And he was just walking into this wall. And then all of a sudden, um, a bunch of enemies just attacked it and the machine kid died. Wow. Okay. And you have to return back to the mom and tell her that her kid died and it actually lists on your completed quests that you failed it. And that's the first mission I ever failed on Nier Automata. Oh. And I'm just pissed because this kid fell off on his own. <laughs> I like I didn't push it. I didn't do anything to it. It literally just walked off into the abyss. And I fi- What the f- <laughs> And that it walked off fell 
and then continued walking into a wall, and it just so happened that the level he fell on, there were a bunch of enemies there, and he died. So I'm really upset that happened, because there, it was clearly a bug, and that pissed me off so much, and I can't... Oh boy. And I can't repeat that mission until I completed the entire game. So, that's a bunch of bullshit, guys. I'm a little bit upset. There's a there's a lot of instances where the game bugs out for me in a very frustrating way. And, I mean, there's not much you can do about it. At least it gives you the option to replay it eventually, so... That reminds me of when I played the first... Not first Tomb Raider, but the the reboot of, of the Tomb Raider game, and yeah. the game just crashed on me because it was a known error that they they, they wow. just couldn't fix. Yeah, I think I've I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but it just it infuriated me because it's like fix the error or just you know a little, tell people that there's an error before you start playing the game, so you know to make a double save. And I didn't do the double save, and I had to do the whole game over again. So yeah, exactly. No, I mean, like, at least that didn't happen to you. Like, that's, like, the worst if that happens to you. I hate when... I hate when there's known errors and people are continuing to talk about it because it shows that it wasn't fixed. (laughs) Right, right. See, yeah, and the thing is, that's it's good that the players are talking about it because that's the only thing they can do is because the developers have to fix it. So if, you know, you see an error and you tweet at a developer of the game, if you know that they're that's the developer of the game, and you tweet at them or you post on the, the forums about, like, how there's an error there or on Reddit, then hopefully the developers can see it and do something about it. Yeah, or you just get a generic message. <laughs> that's true, too. Send a support ticket. <laughs> yeah. So that really sucks. I'm... I'm looking into a few games that I'm really excited for that are coming out um, in the near future. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus is coming out. I've never played the PlayStation 2 version, and so this is the perfect game if you've never played it at all to hop on and play the remake because it looks great. And if you have a PlayStation Pro, then why not? You might as well just get it. Um, I was looking into a lot of details for Shadow of the Colossus, and I don't know if you've looked into it or, or like, read news about it, but mm-hmm. more or less, it's a graphical remake. It's the okay. s- it's the same exact game, and just the graphics are nice. That's what every remake should be. Well, I mean, to an extent. Like, with Kiwami, it was different, because they, they added more stuff to make it better, because I guess it wasn't a full game when it came out on PS2. Yeah. But regardless... Uh, yeah, no, I think that's how a lot of remakes should be, because all you want are just the graphics updated, to be honest, and that's all you, and that's all anyone can really ask for, for, like, I mean, I'm sure Shadow of the Colossus isn't a perfect game, but what more could you do with that game, besides just remake, besides just, like, updating the graphics, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of the complaint is, um, there was not even, like, a new boss level, like, a new level added, or, like, a new Colossus that you have to conquer, or just, like, any semblance of that. It's just, like, the same exact copy-and-paste story. Which I suppose is fine. Um, it um, Upon looking up the game, um, if you don't care about graphics, um, this doesn't seem worth buying. This only seems worth buying um, as an old fan if you want to play it with the new graphics or if you want it for your personal collection. Otherwise, right. um, this does not look worth buying for uh, old fans who 
expect something new to come out of it aside from graphics. That's fair. Also, I am... Um, I think I'm going to play Yakuza 5 um, after I finish Nier Automata. Oh, on PS3? I think I'm going to buy it on PS3. So Nice! Um, so in the previous podcast, I was debating whether I should get Monster Hunter World. And I do want to get Monster Hunter World, but I'm going to actually wait for a price drop before I get that. Because Capcom has... B- a lot of Capcom um, announcements have been basically saying this game is going to be supported for a very, very long time. So there will always be people playing Monster Hunter World. <laughs> and Well, they and, said that about Destiny, and now look, there's a second one. <laughs> it is true. They said Destiny will be a 10-year game, and everyone's like, cool. And then they said, oh, hey, look, Destiny 2. I'm like, wait, what? What does what, that mean? <laughs> was Destiny really a... I was. I heard that Destiny was gonna be like a like at least five to ten year game, and once Destiny two came out, they said, "Oh, look, you could play it on PC." Everyone hopped on board. So, I mean, mm. I'll take, I'll take what Capcom said with a grain of salt, but okay, like sure, I'll I'll just say sure, that's a thing. Yeah. That that they that they said, but yeah, no. To your go back to your point. Sorry, I interrupted you. Well, I mean, isn't Destiny Bungie or something? Yes, they're Bungie. Yeah, so, I mean, they, like, who knows? All I know is that Mon- um, Capcom's gonna support a lot of uh, Monster Hunter World tournaments. Okay, cool. And if you announce that you're supporting tournaments, for me, that shows that <laughs> you're trying to make the longevity of this game last a long time. <laughs> so, cool, cool. At least, in, at least for me... As someone who's keen to a lot of fighting games, if you have a lot of involved tournaments, that's what it means. Um, I don't want to get it immediately, even though it's tempting. So I'm going to wait for that to drop to like $30 or so, and I'm going to get Yakuza 5 eventually. I'm hoping that the other Yakuza games come out on PS4, because I do want to play all of them, Mm -hmm. but I kind of want to play them in sequential order, minus 6, obviously, because that's already coming out. But when 2 Kiwami comes out, I want to play that. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if they will remake the other ones, since they're probably hard at work on making the next installment in the series, like Mm -hmm. post-Kiryu. We'll see. But I do hope that they at least port them over, so that we could play them on the PS4. Yeah. Because I do want to play 3 through 5. Um, I'm just gonna, for now, I'm just gonna play the one that goes right before Yakuza 6. That's fine. No, the fact that you have a PS3 is, is good, but I, I just can't justify myself, like, to buy a PS3 just oh, yeah. to play the Yakuza games. I don't think that's, I think that's a waste of time and money. Oh, yeah, that's, to, oh, yeah, totally. There's no point if you don't have a PlayStation 3 on you. So I'm hoping that they do remake them, but it looks like they will. I mean, given that Kiwami was such a hit. We're on the path of them two. remaking, basically, they're going to remake Yakuza 0 because why the fuck not? You know what I mean? <laughs> With the dragon engine. Everything will be in the dragon yeah, engine. Like, they're going to remake Kiwami to be in the dragon yeah, engine. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's really what we're going towards because you, why the fuck not? So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I am very excited for Yakuza Kiwami 2, which is probably going to come out, you know, October, uh, Q4 actually, I bet, so... Q4 or Q1 uh, of 2019. Too far. Too far. Too far from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've i been playing um, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. 
Yes. With uh, starring Laura Craft. And I call her that because a lot of the game has you crafting stuff. Oh. Not a lot of it. I'd say that every time you go to a save point, which is a fi- like a, a campfire, kind of like Dark Souls. That seems... But, uh, you, yeah. You, you go to the campfire, you can upgrade your weapons based on um, materials you collected in, in the levels. That seems to be a trend of game recently. Crafting. Yeah, I think it all started with Minecraft. <laughs> that 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 made the trend of hey, you can like go into the overworld and chop down a tree and, and go back craft. to like yeah, and, and make an axe out of that or whatever. Yeah, I get it, but I don't want every game to do that. <laughs> you know? Do you not like it in context of Tomb Raider? Um, the previous game had some light crafting stuff, but this one. I'm okay with it. Like, I'm not used to, like, going out into the overworld and collecting resources to help make a better weapon. Like, in, in the previous Team Raider game, I don't, I don't remember correctly, but um, you have to... You didn't have to craft stuff like this game, let's put it that way. You, you would collect weapons in the overworld, or you would collect ammo, but you would never have to, like, chop down a tree, or, well, like, chop down a bush, and then get the wood and make an arrow, make arrows out of it. You would, like, find the arrows. Yeah. So, it is different. It's not that I don't like it, it's just that I have to always think about it. And, right now, I think I'm, a, I'm like, a third of the way through the game, and I, I can't help but compare this to Uncharted Three. Hmm. The one, no, no. Which is the one where he finds the lost city? Was it the second one? You know, to be completely honest, he finds a lot of lost <laughs> city. <laughs> like the one with the blue people. The one with the blue people. Oh, I want to say that's two. Uh, that's a, yeah. that's the snow area. I think. You know what? I, I'm comparing it to. F- well, yeah, two and four. I'm comparing Rise of the Tomb Raider to um, Uncharted two and four. Two because. Um, you're trying to find a lost city. You're Laura Croft. I don't want to spoil anything, so at a high level, you're Laura Croft. You go into the Siberian wilderness because you're trying to find a lost city according to your dad's notes. And you want to prove that your dad was right about something. So you use like a lot of your resources to go into the wilderness, and then um, you're trying to find this lost city. And in the previous game, sorry, a little bit of a mild spoiler, but um, there are some supernatural occurrences in the very f- in the first Tomb Raider game, mm-hmm. the reboot, and so yeah. I'm expecting those to happen again. Like I'm like, are there going to be zombies or like giant blue people? But so far, nothing has happened, and it's kind of it's kind of letting me down. <laughs> and you find it, you find something, kind of like in Uncharted Four, um, but it doesn't feel the same. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because I I'm coming off of like thinking too much about Uncharted when I'm playing this game. But I do like it so far. But I wouldn't say that I love this game. Okay. Yeah. It's... it's The action feels... It doesn't feel paced as well as Uncharted 4. Or just any of the Uncharted games in general. Because there are moments when you're trying to kill a bunch of dudes. And then it cuts to, like, you doing a puzzle for, like, 10 to 15 minutes. And then it cuts to, like, more action. And then more action. And then it cuts to some, like, cutscenes and some silence. And you're just like... Was I just killing some people earlier? Like I'm ready to kill more, but I can't <laughs> until the next like f- few levels. So mm-hmm. yeah, the game is paced oddly, but overall, um, I think it's a pretty good sequel to the other Tomb Raider game. 
By the way, the the name of the place is Shamhala. I just looked it up. There we go. I know it was like Shangri La, Shambhala, something like that. It is based off of Shangri La, according to Uncharted Wiki. <laughs> Uncharted Wiki, your resource for everything Uncharted. Resource for everything Uncharted. Accurate and inaccurate. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what's inaccurate to be honest. I I would go there. I go to like all the fan wikis to like look up stuff about games, especially the Yakuza one. But the Yakuza one's lacking a little bit. It needs someone to edit it. <laughs> True. I I'm not gonna be that person. Don't don't, don't suggest uh-huh. that. Don't put that on me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Tomb Raider is the only thing I'm playing right now. I'm just trying to finish that before Yakuza Six comes out. How many more hours do you think you got into it? I'd say maybe two or three, depending on if I get distracted by like the the side missions, because this is the definitive definitive edition, so it comes with all the DLC, and so there's some DLC. I there's like a DLC mission I played before, yeah, um, like in the middle of another mission. So I was like, oh, okay, I could just do the, all the other DLCs if I wanted to. So I'm gonna do that. And there's also like some other aspects of the game that I have to look at. I guess it's like multiplayer or trading card game or something. I don't know what it is, but I'll look at it once I finish the single player portion. Trading card game, huh? I don't know. I, I, I When I started the game up, I was like, check your inventory. I checked the inventory, like, open up this loot box. I'm like, oh man, this game has loot boxes? And then I opened up a loot box and I was like, you got this card. I'm like, why do I get a card? Like, what do these mean? What's expedition <laughs> mode? What is all this? So, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. But uh, we'll see. I'll I'll try to figure it out once I finish the single player campaign because I'm just trying to take it one step at a time. For sure. Anything else you want to talk about? Red Dead Redemption Two is coming out on October 26th, and it gives plenty of time for people to re- um, play Red Dead Redemption One for the first time or replay it if you want, including the Undead Nightmare DLC because you know why not and um. Consider this my active uh, promotion to playing uh, Red Dead Redemption. Although it is a Rockstar game, it does not feel like a traditional Grand Theft Auto Rockstar game. And I do argue that this is probably the best uh, Rockstar story of any other games. If you need any incentive to play it. Also, Mm. Horses. So. You heard it here first. <laughs> yep, horses. With that, Yakuza 6 is coming out next month, so you have time to play both Kiwami, well, Zero and Kiwami. I would say start with Zero and then play Kiwami. And if you have a Japanese PS4, well, actually, you don't need one. I think the PS4 is region-free, right? So you could pick up um, Yakuza Kiwami 2 and then 3, 3 through 5 on PS3 if you have a PS3 and play all those. Or even you can even play Yakuza 2 on the PS2 if you want and play that and get yeah. ready for the release of Yakuza 6. Although, I will say you do not have to play the previous Yakuza games to play Yakuza 6 because at the beginning of Yakuza 6, there's a nice little like intro to the series that kind of brings you up to speed with what's going on in Kazuma Kiryu's life. So not you don't necessarily have to play it, but if you do want to get more emotionally attached to these characters, especially Kiryu since this is his last outing, then please play the previous Yakuza games. At least play Zero and Kiwami since they're already on PS4. Kiwami at such a ridiculously low price of $30 and Zero, I believe, is still in the 60 to 50 range. 
but it is worth it since you'll get more than what you bargained for when you buy zero. Trust me. Listen to our yep. spoiler cast for both. Yep. You heard it here first. <laughs> Not also, really first, yeah. but... Also, uh, yeah, that there's just so much to do in that game. I can't really pick out one thing. Pocket car racing, yes. Also, pocket car racing. Pocket <laughs> car racing. See, if you need a reason, if you ever needed a reason to play the Yakuza series, pocket car racing and karaoke. Yeah, no, totally. If if Red Dead Redemption 2 has horses and, and cowboy gunfights, you could also play karaoke and pocket car racing in Yakuza 0 and Yakuza yep. Kiwami. Pretty much. And, little hint, there are different versions of the songs because of the time periods in both Yakuza 0 and Yakuza Kiwami. So, <laughs> you, will not, you will hear the same song, but in a different version. So, definitely pick up Yay. both games to play. Yeah. With that, can I talk about Japan? <laughs> sure. Go for it. Okay. So, <laughs> overall, it was a really good trip. Probably one of the best trips I've ever had going to Japan. One of my goals was to um, go to Kabukicho, which is based, which is what uh, Komorocho and the Yakuza games are based on. And I did. It's really cool. I tried to follow the map of the game, as nerdy as this sounds, to the real life like area as much as I could. And a lot of it is similar but different. Like there's the theaters there. You know that giant open like square? Yeah, it's there. It's very, yeah, yeah, it's similar. It's very similar to the one in the game, but it's different. And it's it's it, I was I was like I was so excited. <laughs> Do you remember that um the wall with all like the hosts and the the hostesses in the in the game, like towards yeah. the back of the map? That is there too in the actual Kamuro, in the actual Kabuki show, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I sound like this is my first time going there, and like this is my first time seeing everything. But I, for the listeners, like I, not everyone has been to Japan yet. I hope everyone goes and experiences it. But uh, yeah, no, everything was. <laughs> every, I was like trying to map out exactly where things were according to the the map of uh, of Yakuza, uh, specifically Yakuza. Kiwami, since that was a closer, the closer of the games that I played to the current time period. So, wow, I ate so much stuff. I first day we had ramen, like just in front of our hotel, there was a ramen joint, and I was like, we gotta go, and it was only like only ten bucks. Oh, dude, it was so good. It was, I had like salt ramen. I was like, I don't know if I want to have salt ramen. I ate it. It was like <laughs> like one of the best ramen bowls I ever had. It was the broth was like perfect. It was fatty. The noodles were soft. There was like a perfect little like boiled egg inside. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I do. I, I, I want to go back. And um, across the street, next to the ramen place, was a uh, 24-hour grocery store. Nice. 24 hours. So, like, you're not talking about a liquor store or, like, uh, like a 7-Eleven. You're actually talking about a um, grocery store. Like a Safeway. Yeah. Safeway? Oh, it, no, it wasn't Safeway. It was, a, it, was, it was called something else. But it was like if Safeway was 24 hours, that's what it's like. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. No, it's just going there late at night and you're, you're hungry. You can, like, get, like, a little snack to eat or, like, pick up some alcohol. Yeah. Oh, man. It was it was so good. I also had curry at uh, Coco Ichiban. I also had, um, uh, what else did I have? I had a, a burger. Have you ever been to Moss Burger, Elisa? Uh, no, but I heard of it. I went there and I had a burger. It was so good. Burgers there, they just make burgers differently. I don't know what it is. Like they can make, they probably can make not it oily. The same that's way. one thing. That's yeah, yeah. That's true. That's very true. 
Uh, that was my second day. And then I went to the Snoopy Museum. Believe it or not, there's a Snoopy Museum. They had like an art exhibit. Uh, they have giant Snoopies you could take pictures with. And the best part was they had a cafe. And I had a Sunday there. A little Charlie, Br- Charlie Brown Sunday. And it was really cute because uh, you know how the character Linus always has a blue blanket? Yes. Outside in the cafe, there's little blue blankets you can put on. on oh my the chairs. god. Yeah, it was so cute. <laughs> I was like, aww. It was all branded and everything. So that that Sunday was good. Even though it was winter and it was super cold in Tokyo because, you know, that's just where it was just winter and it was uh, it was like it was about to snow. Um, we we still had a Sunday and it was really, really good. Dude, um, I sometimes had... I crave cold things when it's freezing. So it, it's all good. Yeah, no, for real, though. Like it happens. <laughs> yeah, it, it seriously happens. Uh, was your Sunday uh, like a like a soft cream? Sunday, like the matcha one? No, um, it was, well, actually, yeah, it was soft cream, but at the bottom there was some fruits, like some, like, little, like, little, like, like some mangoes and strawberries and stuff inside. Mm-hmm. It was really good. And then there was some, like, chocolate bars sticking out. There was, like, a whole brownie in there. Um, it was covered in the strawberry sauce, and there was a little cookie with a, with a comic strip on it. And yeah. it said, um, uh, I could never be mad at you, Charlie Brown. It's a girl talking to Charlie Brown saying that she could never be mad at him. I was like, oh, that's really, that's a nice little touch. And that cookie was really good. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Also, um, I will say that when there we watched like a little animation in a, in a small theater. It was like a two-minute animation. Um, and at the end of the animation, they said, oh, there was a message that, message that said, uh, we stand with you, Sonoma. Sonoma? Yeah, because of the fires. Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. They said we stand with you, Sonoma, and that was it. That's the only part of it, like that was like super like touching to me. Like there was about like love. It, there was no words. It was all like like silhouettes of the characters like expressing love for each other. And at the very end, it, there was like a message about love and loving each other and peace on earth. And at the very end, it was said we stand with you, Sonoma. I was like, whoa, that is deep. That's pretty legit. That's pretty awesome, to be honest. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, there is a... Uh, what's his name? The guy... the Charles E. Schwartz? He's the guy that made um, Charlie Brown? I think Charles Schwartz. Charles Schwartz? Yeah, he has or, a no, museum. No, 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 no. Oh. Yeah. Schultz, Schultz. Schultz. Not, sh- not Schwartz. Schultz. Yeah, he has a um, museum... In Sonoma for Oh, Charlie I know Brown. that one. Yeah. Yeah. And he he actually passed away in Santa Rosa. Yes. So yes, he did. I know that's that. That's why the museum... Yeah, yeah. That's why the museum is there. And um, for those international listeners, but also maybe some listeners who haven't heard about the news in California, in October, there was a fire that broke out in Santa Rosa and the Sonoma area that destroyed thousands of homes and left, like, thousands of people, like, without anywhere to go or anywhere to live so um it was kind of touching to see that little nod at the at, at the end of that little animation in the snoopy museum mm-hmm. as a bay area resident i felt touched <laughs> let's put it that yes. way yes so it was kind of cool that's really like, cool yeah it was, it was a little shout out to the bay area at the end of that little animation so i thought that was really cool um do you know surutontan it's an udon chain and I had curry udon there with some beef in it. It was really good. Oh, that sounds good. 
and there's different sizes you can pick. There's regular, there's small, there's regular, there's large, and there's extra large. I got mm-hmm. a regular because I felt large was way too large. Actual, it's actually large. <laughs> the the medium was already pretty big, okay. and when they when they said large though, they're like, you could fit a baby in there. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty big. I don't have a picture of it because I didn't order it, obviously. But um, I also had some pancakes. Believe it or not, little hot cakes. They're called hot cakes in Japan, and they're really they're really big and fluffy. They're different than the ones that we make here. When you think of pancakes, you usually think of like. Mrs. Butterworth's kind of pancake mix. I, I think of Mrs. Aunt Butterworth Jemima. Syrup. Oh, that's is it? Who it is? Who's on? Who's Mrs. Butterworth? I don't know. Um, that <laughs> I don't. I don't eat that pancake uh, brand. I usually have Jemima. Oh, okay, that's. I think that's the lady I was thinking of. Aunt Jemima, like she makes syrup, but also the pancakes. But you usually think of pancakes as like kind of thinner and more like like laid out. But uh, Japanese pancakes are a lot bigger and fluffier, and I kind of like that. I don't know where they influenced that style from, but yeah, it was great. Also, I had something that's very specific to the Kanto region. Have you ever heard of monjayaki or monja? Um, can you describe it? Monjayaki is when you have a bunch of the ingredients to make okonomiyaki together in like a, a little bowl. And you have a grill in front of you and you just dump the ingredients out onto the grill. And you just basically mix it all together. And while it's still cooking, you eat it. Um, I've definitely had that happen before, but to what extent, what do you mean by it's still cooking, you eat it? Like, like while it's on the grill cooking, you wait for like five minutes and then after five minutes you have like a little tiny spatula, like the one you eat okonomiyaki with. Yeah. And then you, and then you just eat it while it's like still grilling. Oh, I see. Oh, um, I, I wonder if I have, I want to say I, I want to say I waited for it to cook. I don't think I've ever actually had it. Um, like halfway before. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. For those of you that don't know, okonomiyaki is like, I would say a Japanese pancake is what a lot of Americans would call it. Um, there's really no way to describe it other than that, but it's cabbage, meat, sometimes yakisoba noodles. Oh, Green onion. Good. Green onion, mayonnaise, all make, like cooked together to a shape in the shape of a pancake. And uh, yeah, you just cut it up kind of like a pizza and eat it up. It's really yes. good. It is Mojoyaki, really good. Yeah, no, it's it's one of my favorite dishes. And monjayaki is the Kanto version of that. Kanto meaning like the Tokyo area, since the Kansai region is where okonomiyaki is mostly eaten. And the Kansai region consists of Osaka, uh, Kobe a little bit, mm-hmm. um, uh, Kyoto, kind of that, that area. Yeah. And Kanto is more like Tokyo, Yokohama, kind of that, that region. Because um, Tokyo is like really huge. Uh, yeah, so I had, that was one of the dishes I had. And then actually I found this out kind of during my meal, but I went to a restaurant that was featured in Terrace House. Which restaurant? Hi at those restaurants? No, 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 no. I didn't go to a celebrity's restaurant. (laughs) So do you know Enoshima? Uh, you got to describe the date or like, you know, the hangout of that Uh, episode. I don't remember the actual episode, but, uh, there's an island called Enoshima and it's in the Shonan area, south of Tokyo in Yokohama. Wait a minute. Is that where, um, is that where, um, not Fuyumi, um, what's the opposite of Fuyumi? Uh, Misaki? Uh, no. Uh, f- Natsumi? Fu- Natsumi. Was that where Natsumi and Arman had a date? Yes, I went to that restaurant. Dude, I I gotta stop watching. Like, tell me, <laughs> how did I know what... <laughs> 
what that was. And it was like a, it's kind of like a waterfront restaurant ish yeah 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 i watch the show too much okay well <laughs> we both do my, that's how i know oh god I, I need to send this well i need to go to instagram really quick so i could mm-hmm. kind of show you yeah and if you're listening to this podcast right now you can follow along too so on instagram type in e-n-o-s-h-i-m-a-k-o-y-a enoshima koya Oh, Jesus Christ. This is totally the restaurant. Yeah. You, there's the view of the island in Oshima. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I sat at the very end table. If you look at the third picture with all the people like cheering. Yeah. Like at the very, like the very, very back of the picture, there's a Was table Was that where end, Armand and, and Natsumi ate? I don't know. I don't remember, but I wasn't thinking about that at the time because I was just so hungry that I was just wanted to eat food. <laughs> what do they, oh, so it's seafood. Well, that makes sense. You're by the water. Yeah. Yeah. It was so good. I had a dish. Oh, I forgot the name of the dish, but it was kind of like, it was basically like ground up raw fish over rice. Mm, that sounds good. It was so it's good. Like a, it's like a yeah, don, it was amazing. It's like a donberry with um, grounded fish. Kind of. And then there's um, some like miso soup you drink with it. And at the end of, well, not really the end of your meal, but like in, towards the middle of your meal, you can pour the soup into the rice bowl with the fish in it. And it becomes a dish called ochazuke. Okay. And it's actually pretty good too. It's it's still pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um uh, I also went to Shinokubo and Shinokubo is basically the Korea town of Tokyo. Mhm. And everything there smells like Korean barbecue. That's not a stereotype. Literally once we got off the train and into the street all I could smell was Korean barbecue. So we went to mm. a Korean barbecue restaurant and we had chapche, we had pork, like grilled in front of us. Like we didn't Sam-gyuk-sa? do the grilling either. Yeah, we had samgyeopsal. It was so good. Oh, wow. And That's then awesome. we and we had Korean pancake too. Um, Hamil Pajon. It was really good. Oh my God. Korean pancake is amazing. <laughs> Whenever that came out at any restaurant, I was on, I like, I was eating that shit all the time. Holy crap. I could eat that yeah, like no. for breakfast, to be honest, <laughs> every day. <laughs> no, we, we got to the restaurant. And we're like, what do we want? Chapte, uh, pork. And then my girlfriend's like, oh, we got to get cream pancake. I was like, hell yeah, cream pancake. So then we got cream <laughs> pancake and that was good. Nice. Uh, the nice thing about our hotel too was that it was really like it was like really close to Skiji Market, the fish market, like the really famous fish market in Japan. It was a yeah. ten minute train ride, and so the best sushi I ever had was actually not in the market itself. It was on the outskirts of the market. It was a small restaurant, and I had basically chirashi, like the best chirashi in the world. Yeah, rice. to me, oh dude, it was so. That kind of reminds me of when I was in Korea. Um, our tour guide took us to this restaurant in Jagachi Mark uh Jagachi Market which is a uh, Busan and the restaurant he took us to which the seafood was excellent but holy crap we food comed hella hard there uh it wasn't uh. actually it wasn't at, in the main market mall it was uh, in an outdoor restaurant and that was amazing. Stuff that you don't really look at or expect because it's off to the side is usually some of the best cuisine Especially in Asia, because when when the, it's usually the places you least expect. Oh yeah, I believe it for sure. So I highly recommend going off the beaten path if you're traveling to Asia, specifically Tokyo in some areas, especially Skiji in Tokyo, because there are there are restaurants everywhere in Tokyo. Like I'm sorry, and everywhere in Skiji, there are a lot of sushi restaurants, 
but there are some that the maps won't tell you are there, but when you go there, you get a lot more than what you expected. Totally. Like, we saw a line out the door for another restaurant, and I was told, like, oh, yeah, this is probably one of the most famous places in Tsukiji, and everyone wants to go here because it's, like, one of the best sushi restaurants. Oh, damn. the 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 one we went to was still pretty damn good. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, this is the one that the maps tell you are is one of the best you know it's okay. like, that's why they should go there I and mean, i was like i don't care about what the map tells me just give me some good food you know yeah moving on from food to gaming oh man oh, there there are some there's some stuff that you really need to try well before that um i brought my ds to japan because my girlfriend was like oh i brought i i used to play ds too so we could play animal crossing and mario kart together and super mario brothers i was like sweet so i brought my ds but i forgot my charger <laughs> Aww, so and so I was share. like, "No, our chargers didn't work because oh. I had I had I had the first generation DS, like the original DS, and she had like the later model. And then she's like, what do you want to do?' And I said, "Okay, we're going to Akihabara tomorrow, and there's a store called Super Potato that I really want to go to. Um, we talked about it before on the podcast. I'm just kind of recap: Super, Super Potato is like a secondhand game store in in Akihabara, the Tokyo like electronics district." And it's probably one of the definitive things to go to when you're a, if you're a gamer at Akihabara, because it, they sell literally everything except for DS stuff, which was really surprising to me. Mm. They have everything there but DSs. So we walked around, and I was like, I was really determined to buy a new DS because in my mind I was like, you know what, the DS charger probably costs more for my DS than the actual DS system. So I'm just going to go to a, a store and look wow. at... Wow. Yeah. So we found this other secondhand game shop across the street across the street from Super Potato. And we're looking through looking through all the stuff. And I was like, oh my god. There's DSs here. So <laughs> I want you to... I found the perfect DS, right? And I want you yeah. to guess how much I paid for, Elisa, for this DS console. It's Did a you- DS Lite, by the way. Did you pay $50 for it? I'm going to guess $50. No, I didn't. Uh, $40 then. No. $20? Yes, I paid $25. Holy crap. $23 for a new DS system. Technically, it was secondhand. But the only thing that the description said was, it smells like cigarette smoke. (laughs) (laughs) And then I picked it up. I was like, it doesn't smell like cigarette smoke. It smells like cigarette (laughs) smoke. And then I guess the guy who used it was a, cig- like a smoker. And the guy behind the counter was like, eh. I was like, okay. I paid $26, I'm sorry, $23 for a secondhand DS Lite and a cable. Yeah. Like a charging cable. Which which I could change the language to English to, by the way, which was pretty, was a, which was a nice deal. Um, when the guy sold it to me, he had to unwrap it from the box. And so he did it. He did it very, very carefully, like someone trying to save their wrapping paper on Christmas. It was so precise. <laughs> we were laughing so hard because he was like, like trying to take off like little tiny piece of tape, holding up like this basically Christmas wrapping plastic over the DS console. And I was like, "Bro, just take it off, anyways," because he had to rewrap it anyway. So why was he like being so careful when we were wrapping it? But yeah. hey, that's that's just that's Japan. That's Japanese culture. Like. That- Everything has to be precise and in order, and I I really like that. But at the same time, I'm like, do you? Is this really necessary? (laughs) (laughs) 
it took like a lot longer to for him to remove it than for me to buy it because I'm just like I I just want it just put it in my bag <laughs> and they had to and they had to rewrap it and put it in two bags to give it to me mm-hmm. I was like like why just give me the console <laughs> and and the charging cable nope, that's all nope, I want can't do that no yeah exactly can't believe it's twenty five dollars yeah no dude <sighs> I mean f- granted that the console came out like ten plus years ago. Still, it was mind-boggling to me that that was so cheap. Like, I was expecting to pay at least 40 or 50 like you said. Yeah. But no, 23 bucks for that console? Like, dude, I was I was adamant. I was so adamant about buying it, and I was so ecstatic when I got it. I couldn't believe my eyes when I was like, 23 bucks. Let's go. That's pretty, so now, that's pretty yeah. good. That's pretty sweet. Um, I will say, I do not, I do not condone piracy. For those listening, I do I don't condone piracy, but if you do look up R4i card on on Google, it's a card that allows you to play game like Nintendo DS games on your on your DS like like hacked ROMs. You can play basically play play ROM versions of DS games on your DS. Again, don't go to R4i. Don't go to Google and type in R4i. Okay, don't go to Google and type that in and buy it, even though it's only like twenty bucks. Okay. Just don't do it. it Piracy is illegal. Don't do it. Um, so I had like a hacked version of Animal Crossing with unlimited money. And then she came to my town and I just I basically paid off all her debt <laughs> in Animal Crossing. She was so excited when, when we were playing Animal Crossing. And she's like, hey, just give me all the money. And I was like, no, I can't do that for you. That's cheating. She's like, you're already cheating anyways by, playing, by owning it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So then yeah, <laughs> I had to submit. And uh, that was... That was fun, though. Fun fact, we went to Disneyland, Disneyland Tokyo, and while we were waiting in line, we brought our DSs, and we were just playing Mario Kart like while we were walking in line. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, it was, it was a good time killer, because um, although we had fast passes, like, you know, it still takes time to ride some of the rides, even in the fast pass lane. <laughs> we were just, like, playing our DSs and just waiting in line, like, playing Mario. We got, like, at least, like, three or four races of Mario Kart in before we had to, like, jump in on the ride. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> like That's pretty good. Time. You know, an R4i is $19, or, sorry, eighteen oh nine. What did I say? What did I say about looking it up? Huh? What did I just say about looking it up? <laughs> uh, uh, don't, don't look it up, right? Don't, don't, don't look don't it up. Don't look it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's super cheap. Like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculously cheap. But I'm just saying, if you want to buy one, I'm not saying you should. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to push you to buy one, but if you were to buy one, it's so easy to like just put a bunch of ROMs on your on on that console. It takes those cards take micro SD cards. You have to put a micro SD card into the cartridge, and that becomes basically a full cartridge, and you put into your into your console, and you can play whatever you loaded onto there. Mm-hmm. Please don't report me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so we uh, while we were in Akihabara to kind of like detract, we wanted to play Initial D. So you know how there's like the Club Sega arcades, as you see in Yakuza. Yeah. So those are based on the real actual arcades that you that are in Akihabara, Correct. and um, we went to one of the biggest ones. I guess it's the first one you see when you come out of Akihabara Station. It's like it just says like Sega, and you go inside. You're like, okay, the Initial D game with the steering wheel is made by Sega. It's got to be in here. We went through all the floors. It was not there. Hmm. I was so disappointed. But they did have Mario Kart, the the one where you drive 
you know, use the pedals and the steering wheel. Like, I think okay. it's called, like, Mario Kart GX or something. Yeah. Played a couple rounds of that. That was only, like, two bucks to play. So, that wasn't bad. 200 yen per game, which is pretty good. I guess. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. And so, it was kind of cool playing Mario Kart from, like, a steering wheel perspective, since everyone's used to playing it behind, like, a DS or behind the Switch or the Wii U. So, it was kind of cool physically holding a steering wheel and pushing on pedals to make a car go, because... That was really that was a really cool experience. I've actually never played that version until I went to Japan recently and played it. So mm-hmm. that was cool. So we had this goal of playing Initial D, and we would on certain days when we didn't really have a, a big plan, we would go to an area and kind of find try to find like an arcade and play, or or try to find Initial D. So in Shibuya, there's a lot of game arcades, and we went around Shibuya looking for game arcades, but we did find them, and they had this other, like, midnight tuning drift game, but it wasn't Initial D. We, we did play it, but we weren't satisfied. Okay. So by... So I guess did, by, you, did you end up fighting it? So here's the thing. Here's what happened, and this is kind of where my gaming experience culminated to. A while ago, I saw that... There was somewhere on Odaiba you could play Initial D, but that not just any, me. not just any Initial D game. This is the ultimate Initial D experience because what does that constitute you sit in a full size Initial D car with a moving platform with a oh, giant gosh. screen in front of you, and you play the game sitting in the car. Like okay. the steering wheel works and everything. Okay, that that'll do it. That I think yeah. that's everything. So I can envision all of my old friends. Like, <laughs> right? Oh, like playing geez. the uh, do, yeah no my my high school days like we talked about this before like we had friends who were like obsessed over these games right and they would like buy the cards and they would put them so little save cards yeah and they'd spend hundreds of dollars playing this game right so to that point it was only forty dollars to play that game unlimited amount of times forty dollars to play it as much as you want. But not just that game. Let me elaborate. So on one of the days we had planned, we were going to go to Odaiba. Um, I actually wanted to go to the Fuji TV gift store at the Fuji TV offices because I wanted to look for Terrasauce merchandise. Mm-hmm. I went to the Fuji TV store. There was no Terrasauce merchandise. Then, oh, there's... What are they selling then? Jump stuff, like Shonen Jump stuff, like Naruto. Oh. Yeah. Uh, they also, well, they're also promoting other dramas too. It's a sad like, day. Yeah, I know. I I scoured that whole store. There was nothing Terrace House related. Yeah. It sucked. And then my girlfriend's like, "We gotta go to Skytree, Tokyo Skytree, because they have a Fuji TV gift store too, and there's probably Terrace House stuff there." But I was like, "I don't want to go to Skytree just to go to to find like a Terrace House stuff." But yeah. um, we ended up not going to Skytree, so. I mean, I didn't want to go all the way over there just to look for Terrace House stuff. But anyways, we went to um, Odaiba, uh, and they had, like, a takoyaki festival on Odaiba, oh, which is amazing. Lo- yeah. Oh, man. Dude, there was a whole floor with literally, like, 20 takoyaki dealers. Dude, that's the life. I, I would, like, <laughs> right? eat all the cheese takoyaki. I was overwhelmed. I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Uh. <laughs> but then... Uh, my girlfriend's like, we have to do this. We have to. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. So yeah. we we only had uh, we only had one set, but it was like it was eight balls. I mean, it was still pretty good to be honest. 
like I don't know how long that I don't know how long that exhibit because it's technically like an exhibit, but it's also like a festival kind of thing. I don't know how long it'll be there, but oh, dude, it was so cool. That's awesome. So, dude, that's living the yeah, life yeah. if you go to a takoyaki festival. <laughs> it's literally just takoyaki. It was I so know. cool, dude. No regrets. So that mall is cl- no, yeah, seriously, no regrets at all. Yeah. So that mall is called Dex. I don't know why it's called D E C K Dex. In Dex, there is a Sega theme park, arcade theme park, called Joypolis. I want you to look this up, Elisa. Look up Joy J O Y P O L I S Tokyo Odaiba. Joy, what? Polis. Okay. P O L I S. It's a th- Sega theme park, video game theme park, and they have rides. There's an indoor roller coaster. There's there was like a Sonic Summer Festival. There, oh wow! There's the initial D games. There's um. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there's uh, there was like a pirate shooting game. There was there's a House of the Dead on move like moving game. There is a, a Resident Evil like horror. There's a running game. Sur- there's a running game, <laughs> there's that, a running looks, game. that looks like a, a bunch of treadmills put together. Best part is, Elisa, I went. I got to be a um a hostess at a hostess club. There's a hostess club video game there. What does that entail? Uh, okay, so. You have to go well before before that. Um, you can buy a passport pass for for the theme park, which is forty bucks, which I highly recommend you do because each individual game costs anywhere from five hundred yen, which is five bucks, to six hundred yen, which is about six bucks. But we wanted to do we wanted to do everything in the theme park, mm-hmm. and so adding that all up was going to be about forty bucks anyways. Okay. And you can do anything on an, an unlimited amount of times. Well. Not anything, I'm sorry. You can do most of the rides for an unlimited amount of times, with the exception of stuff like the VR game room, which you had to pay for. Um, but the Passport got you through most stuff, which was really cool. So I recommend getting the Passport. I uh, Two Passports are 80 bucks, so that wasn't too bad, to be honest. Um, so the Hostess Club game, we, we the guy was like, hey, no one was playing it. And we're like, oh, okay, so we, we kind of want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we... <laughs> We go to the counter, and the guy was explaining it to us. He's like, yeah, this is a hostess club game where you have to sit down, answer a bunch of questions that these two like little animated characters are going to tell you. And at the end of it, you have to um, take photos for those two characters, and they will judge you based on your appearance. And I was like, oh. that's kind of weird. Okay. So the hostess club inside looked kind of like one of the ones you would see in a Yakuza game. Like a really old school one with red couches, like sunshine. Yes. That's the one that comes to mind. Yes, exactly that. So we get inside, we start up, there's like a giant, they, he gives us like two cards with our names. And then, um, um, her, my girlfriend's name was like Kari or something. And I, my, I was like Maria. And then you put your cards down Maria? on this, like, yeah, it was really weird. You put your cards down onto this like um like this like this uh video table and the the card the table will detect the card, which is kind of cool. And so the card will tell oh the yeah, the card will tell you like um your name and then um you have to answer a bunch of questions that the two hosts ask you like, "Oh, like what do you what do you um see in life? Do you see yourself as a millionaire or do you prefer loving like like uh, falling in love with someone? Do you do you want to live in a house? Like kind of like basic questions, and then they would ask some stuff like, um, 
what do you value most in life or like who if something happened in your life right now and there's only one thing you can grab what would it be stuff like that and so I was like, okay. So then I'm like, okay, now continue on to the next segment. And then we enter the next room and there was no one there. We're like, hello? Like, what do we do? And so then we found out we had to go into like this photo booth. And do you know what like Purikura is? Yes. So we had to go into like a booth like that. And we took pictures. And um, my girlfriend went first and she was, like took pictures according to like um, the model in the, in the, in the screen. Because the, the two hosts will talk back to you. Like, okay, this is the next step. Um, look at the model poses below and take pictures similar or as cute as like the the, mo- the model will so she kind of like reenacted all the photos and i also like reenacted the photos as well and at the end they send you the best photo that you picked at the end that you thought was like the most glamorous and they printed it out for you so when we got out he printed okay. out the photos and i just sent it the photos to you on facebook at least <laughs> Oh, okay. I want you to look at the photo. Oh, my God. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) It's nothing bad. It's just... It even has a rating. So the the models pose the same way, and I pose the same way as the models, but I I wanted to be... I wanted to be a lot different than what the models are doing. So I I tried to be different than them. So her, her ratings are like... Uh, like the most, the cutest one. Two hundred dollars. It's oh god, that's expensive. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, my rating is like the sexiest. <laughs> you can see like it has the most lips, and oh, there's like god. all like five hearts. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, as we were walking out, he handed me the photo. He's like, "Oh, here's your photo, sir." And I was like, "Thanks." Like I didn't know you printed it out for me. <laughs> And then um, there's the other two ladies like behind me, like they they worked there, but they were working on different rides, and I guess yeah. they were just like trying to kill time. And they were clapping like for us, and like, oh, good job, good job. And I showed them my photo. I'm like, this is pretty ugly, right? They're like, no, no, it's it's so cute. They're they're being so nice to me. But I was like, this is so ugly, though. This is so it's so busu, right? Like busu means like it's not very like it's like super ugly. And then they were like, no, 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 it's it's so cute. You're you're so cute. You have really nice lips. I was like, oh, thanks, thank you so much. I was basically like just bad. Asking in their in their kindness. <laughs> wow, it was so good. It was pretty, so good. That's pretty good. There's also um, there's a Resident Evil, um, like escape game kind of. Oh, like so, an, like the escape game where you solve a puzzle. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: it's an escape game, but it's also a haunted house. Haunted house, like you know the ones that you walk through. Mm-hmm. So. I realized that because when we were waiting in line, um, uh, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this because I, um, I, <laughs> I'm a scaredy cat and I don't really like a lot of horror stuff. Even though I did play most of the uh, Resident Evil Seven game, and this yeah. Resident Evil Seven like house was based on the the seventh game and the house in that game. I was like, oh, dude, that was like one of the scariest games. And then <coughs> she's like. Let's not do it because I don't want to do it either. And, and I was like, I kind of want to see what it looks like. And then while we're reading the rules, um, one of the rules was don't touch the actors. And um, she was like, let's get out of here. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> let's get out of here. Uh, so we we didn't we ended up not doing that, mm-hmm. but it's okay. I mean, there's always room for next time, right? Yeah. 
Um, so there are other games like the, there's a Sonic Carnival where you like you pay 200 yen to like do carnival games like throw the the beanbag into the bucket or toss the ring under the bottle or like do the like uh, ski ball stuff like that. That was kind of cool. There was also like some indoor rides where um, there was like a one where you twist around and, and like on this plat moving platform. I don't know how to explain it. Like you you move around and you have to like press a button to like earn points or something and you're against another team and that got me really dizzy because that was one of the first things we rode and i didn't want to ride i didn't want to ride anything else after that because that oh dude like that made me almost want to throw up <laughs> oh wow especially after eating takoyaki you're like i don't want to <laughs> all the takoyaki is going to come back how out. long did you stay there three like hours the, oh, oh that's actually that doesn't seem that long in my head oh yeah it was a, it was a good enough time to we we rode the initial d game like Five, four times, four times. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I I wanted to do it more because it was so cool. But um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's pretty awesome. I would go to somewhere like that where like an interactive arcade. It's just much, I feel like there's just much more um, like dynamic things compared to just going to a machine and playing with a deep uh, like a joystick. Yeah. No. Totally. There's home console gaming experiences, but there are also, like, theme park gaming experiences, which I just found out about. So, I, I really, really, really want to go back there. That was one of the one of the best times I've ever had at an actual, like, arcade theme park hybrid. That's awesome. And I also actually got, kind of started dabbling in film photography. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool, uh, because uh, I, I bought, like, some rolls of film for, like, 10 bucks at uh, one of the camera stores in Japan. Oh, and film photographer. For some reason, I like was thinking you were like filming a scene or something. I didn't know. I didn't realize you meant like an actual like film roll. Oh, um, yeah. Camera. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah. Like 35 millimeter analog film. Yeah. No, Japan. If you're a film photographer, Japan is like the place to go for film. Yeah. Every, oh, the film there is still pre- like relatively cheap. Um, it's, it's, at every camera store, they they sell film, uh, mm-hmm. and they do one hour processing still, which is pretty cool. So if you if you're a film shooter, definitely go to Japan, pick up gear or or whatever you want film because it's still pretty much alive. Do we have any questions this week? By the way, we just have um, a few uh, a few comments, but um, they're more directed towards me. Oh, um, cool! Because. Uh, I've been playing Nier Automata, and I've been um, I've been providing like a lot of uh, feed my feedback on Nier, and um, it's a uh, hooded dude. Didn't really have like a comment, per, um, a question per se, but he was just letting me know that a lot of my theories um, for Nier, um, it's good to just throw them out there and t- to see like what ends up becoming of the game by the time you finish it. I definitely see where he came with that comment because everything that I originally and initially theorized for this game just kind of like went completely out the window by the time I just even finished the first ending of the game. Because um, as you, as uh, like Nier fans know, or anyone who's interested, uh, Nier Automata has five main endings uh, to play through. And the idea is that each ending is a different vantage point of another character of the game as a whole. 
So it's important to play all five of the major endings sequentially gotcha. to understand it. And uh, it's just, it's it's been a trip learning all of these different things. Uh, and then Hooded Dude was also just uh, making a comment that ending B was his favorite, which is actually the ending that I'm working towards right now because it's the ending with 9S. Um, so we'll see what happens because this is actually a character I used to not like, but have opened up to. Dude, shout out to you for being awesome and like being a consistent listener, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I'll be, uh, once I finish ending B, I'll be providing all of my thoughts on that as well. And we'll see what happens in the storyline. Yeah, absolutely. Apparently ending A was the longest storyline. So I don't even know what to expect anymore. I just don't know what to expect with Nier. I should just stop stop predicting, but that's the fun of it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying no, to figure totally. out this damn storyline. I, I want to play that game too to understand what you're talking about because while I do have a hint of what you mean, because I've seen gameplay videos, but mm-hmm. I want to experience it firsthand. But not the frustration, obviously, but like the <laughs> you know, the, the ups and downs of it. Yeah, the storyline is really cool, and I really like it. It's This game definitely would have been a top three game. It's definitely a top three game of 2017 for me, now that I'm, um, I want to say, a third into the game. Hmm, okay. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Well, that's, uh, those are all my thoughts. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty much spent. I mean, I've, I'm... Happy one year. <laughs> That's all I can say. Happy one year of downtime podcast, everyone. Woo! You made it this far. Whoever you made, made it this, it this far. far. Thank <laughs> you for listening. This has been great. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the uh, 38th, 38th episode of Downtime Podcast. And we will talk to you all next week. Thanks, and see you later.